I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, from Walt Disney to Chick-fil-A, businesses across the country are being punished by politicians who may not agree with where they stand on a lot of the big social issues of the day. But how is this impacting the economy as well as the societal ties that are supposed to bind us all together? And we're going to break that down. Really pleased to have joining us today David Bowes, a distinguished senior fellow at the Cato Institute, also the author of The Libertarian Mind. And uh, David joins us on the line. David, as we look at this, we, we hear some of these things from Florida to California. Most recently, of course, Walt Disney has been in the center of it. Give us a little backstory. What is the uh, what's the history uh, of using uh, government uh, as a way to punish businesses when they just don't seem to line up with the uh, popular issues of the day? Well, I don't know how much uh, history of that there is. There's plenty of history of government subsidizing some companies and not subsidizing others. And economists have always said that's a bad way to run an economy. Government shouldn't be picking winners and losers. It makes the whole society poorer. There's also a long history of politicians rewarding their friends, their campaign donors, their brother-in-law, whatever, with government contracts and government jobs. And those are, you know, those are both pretty standard political things. But this Punishing a corporation because its managers or its owners have views um, on on political or social issues that you don't like, that seems more of a new thing to me. And we saw it about 10 years ago when some Democratic mayors, uh, basically when Chick-fil-A wanted to expand outside of the South, and they were going to go into cities like New York and Chicago and Boston, And mayors and city councilmen started saying, hey, our city doesn't want Chick-fil-A because Chick-fil-A's owners gave money to stop gay marriage. So, okay, you can disagree with that. But the mayors were quickly told the First Amendment doesn't allow you to do that. But there are other areas where it's not as clearly a First Amendment violation. And so the latest one that's gotten all the attention is Governor DeSantis in Florida getting mad at the Disney company because the company put out a statement saying, we don't agree with this bill about what you can teach in the schools. And instead of just saying, well, that's your opinion, but the legislature has passed the bill anyway, the governor started threatening that he would pass bills to punish the Disney company. And that's where I think He's wrong, just as those northern mayors were, that you should not use the tax and regulatory and punishment powers of government because you don't like a politi- a, a business's stand on an issue. Yeah, I think that's so vital that uh, we should not weaponize uh, those kinds of things that so you can target companies or organizations uh, based uh, on what that uh, belief is or, or what where they stand on one of those issues. Uh, it's also interesting to me, and, and we're equal opportunity offenders on this one. Uh, clearly, this has happened from the left and the right, and uh, neither <laughs> neither are free on that one. Uh, 
Yeah. And it's also this idea of picking the winners and losers. So one of the things that uh, you pointed out in your piece uh, was a lot of times what we see is uh, governments also, you, you talked about kind of the friends and family plan or the wealthy and well-connected plan of using state incentives to uh, to give to companies that they agree with to move into their area or to, to build uh, in their cities. Well, that's right. And so there's there's handing out money from the government to your political donors, your allies, and so on. And then there is also picking specific businesses and saying, if you come and build a stadium or a factory or a big retail operation in our city or our state, we'll give you tax breaks, we'll give you money, we'll build the roads for you, those kinds of things. Um, when clearly every economist will tell you the economy would be better off if you let the market decide where factories should be built, where, well, actually, generally, the market's not going to want very many new stadiums because stadiums just don't pay for themselves. And it would change the economics of major league sports if the owners had to pay for their own stadiums. They might be less lavish. Um, they might not build new ones as often, that sort of thing. But all of that is the government distorting the market. And there are places in the world where there's so much of this kind of picking winners and corruption, that the economy is really slow or it even declines. We're not in that situation. We still have a mostly free enterprise economy where mostly consumers direct their dollars to to whatever company they want to, and that's how you get economic growth. But it can in places like Argentina uh, a generation ago, in places like Venezuela now, in Sri Lanka this month. where this sort of thing gets so out of hand that there's really an economic collapse. Yeah, and I think that's the thing we uh, we have to get to is is looking at uh, kind of that cronyism, the corruption that goes along with that. Uh, talk to me just a little bit more in terms of the the inefficiencies of government picking winners and losers on one hand, targeting the, targeting those that they disagree with on the other. What's the real economic impact there, and and how does it uh, impact our standard of living? Well, you can look all over the world and say companies that rely more on the free market, meaning that consumers buy and sell as they choose, businesses compete for consumers' business, the countries that rely on that model grow and they get rich. And the countries that tried to rely on some other model, whether that's communism or socialism or a sort of crony fascism where the government decides where capital will be allocated. You know, in a modern economy, it's not just a matter of farming and building things. It's where do people's investments go? What do we what new startups do we invest in? What businesses are failing, fading or could be done better in a poorer country with cheaper labor? And, and you want a free market system of investing and the allocation of capital to make the most efficient decisions. And countries that rely more on that system get rich. Other countries don't. And it's because no bureaucrat, no president, no government commission knows what consumers want as intimately and immediately and accurately as the free flow of capital and consumer spending in the economy. Um, if, you, if you notice that something is getting more expensive, that will cause businesses to say, we should make more of those. Um, and that's the signal that you want to be sent by the consumers 
through the price system without the government interfering. Yeah. One last thing I want to get to just really quickly uh, is all of this uh, politics in the middle of everything, especially in the middle of the economy uh, and the the culture wars. Uh, You talk about it in the context of it becoming a corrosive element to civil society and democracy. Give us just a quick 30-second snapshot of that. Well, if if we start deciding I should buy a car from the place that has the car that best serves my family's needs, I should go to the restaurant that I can afford, where I like the food, where I like the people and the ambiance, and all of those decisions that we make every day keep the economy going. If we start saying, I'm not going to that business because that guy's a Democrat, I'm not going to that business because that owner is anti-gay, it's, it's going to distort the market, but it's also going to make us personalize all of this. It's, mm-hmm. It makes us hate our neighbors. You, sh- you shouldn't really care what the owner of Chick-fil-A thinks or the owner of Ben and Jerry's. You know, yeah. I shouldn't eat Ben and Jerry's because they said they're socialists. Um, I don't want to walk around all day thinking whether I morally approve of the companies, whether they're supporting the same candidates I do. And I think that's what's causing a lot of the polarization and politicization in our society. You know, you're getting higher numbers of people saying, I would not want my child to marry a Democrat or a Republican. Right. That's, that's not a good world. Yeah, absolutely. David Bowes, a distinguished senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Great, great insight. Uh, he's also the author of The Libertarian Mind. Uh, and just some super perspective. Uh, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. All right, that's going to wrap us up for hour number one here on Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. We'll break for top of the hour news. Coming back, we're going to go inside the National Press Club for an interesting conversation that might surprise you. Stay with us. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.